0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. What do you wish someone had told you about motherhood and being a CEO? Today's guest is going to give us an honest accounting of how much work motherhood really takes for her and how many people it takes to run her business and her team while she is at the helm of a 30-person award-winning digital strategy organization. She also has a one-year-old at home. Shama Hyder is a digital strategist, speaker, and best-selling author. She is the CEO of Zen Media, a global marketing and digital PR firm. She has been named the Zen Master of Marketing by Entrepreneur Magazine and the Millennial Master of the Universe by FastCompany.com. She has been honored at the White House and the United Nations as one of the top 100 young entrepreneurs in the country. She has been named one of the top 25 entrepreneurs by Businessweek, one of the top 30 under 30 entrepreneurs by Inc. Magazine, and to the Forbes 30 under 30 list of movers and shakers in 2015. As the CEO of Zen Media, she and her team help B2B and B2C brands make meaningful connections with modern day customers via influencer marketing experiential and digital storytelling, and then turning those into bottom line results. She has worked with companies like Chase Business, the US Navy, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, Mary Kay, and Tupperware, to name a few. So with all of that, I'm excited to bring you today's conversation. And in this conversation, we talk about how she got her start in business at the rise of social media. But Other major companies weren't paying attention to social media and what it could be and what it was doing, so she ended up starting her own company instead of consulting with major brands, and that is how she became an entrepreneur. But more than that, she tells us honestly about her experience of motherhood and parenting, which is what we spend a lot of today's episode on. We talk about the fact that it took her a while to really fall in love with her kiddo and get to know them. And it wasn't this instantaneous jolt or instantaneous love that people had talked about or like she thought it would be, but that it really took its own time to grow she had always been a night owl. And Shama tells us about how she used to sleep in until 11am most days. She worked super late. She sleeps in late. And the kiddo, of course, most kids do gets up really early. So it took her a while to adjust. And then she came up with a really interesting plan. She and her husband decided to figure out a way to make it so that they could still sleep in late. We're going to go into detail on that in the show. She also then shares what she thought she would do when it came to maternity leave and how it was much different than what she expected. And at the end, we talk about her experience with social media and content creation, how she sets up her schedule and batches and repurposes things to get the most leverage for her online work. I loved having this conversation with her. I'm so excited to welcome Shama Haider to the show. Let's dig in. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Baby sleep can be so hard. This episode is brought to you by Nanit, the company that created a smart baby monitor, not just to see your kid on camera, but also to know that they are sleeping well and they are safe. The Nanit Plus Smart Baby Monitor tracks your baby's breathing, and they have special sleepwear so that you can see that they are safe and know they are breathing throughout the night. If you've ever been stressed out overnight or worried about your baby sleeping, this can put your mind at ease. This is a baby monitor that can help you adjust to your new sleep life once you bring that kid home with you. They also provide sleep coaching, training, and a baby monitor all in one. Visit nanit.com today to learn more about this amazing baby monitor, why people are raving about it, and how it can help you and your little one have a better night's rest. Also, Startup Pregnant listeners can use the code STARTUP at nanit.com to save 10%. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to welcome Shama to the show. Shama,
1: welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Oh, I have a million questions for you. And I know that we both have little ones who are currently napping. So I'm going to try to get as many questions <laughs> in as I can while we can. Oh, yes. Tell me, my favorite question to start is to ask people, what time did you wake up this morning? And what was the first thing that you did?
1: Okay, there's going to be a lot of people who hate me for this answer. And I can completely appreciate that because I hate me too, okay, <laughs> for this answer. I woke up at 11 a.m.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And and the first thing that I did, so maybe you'll hate me less now, is (laughs) is I cleaned up doggy poop because I have two puppies. They're both four months old. They're like 10 days apart. And they had decided to poop all over the bathroom floor at night. And then the next thing I did was clean my baby's poopy little diaper. Because my my husband brought him to me after he woke up from his nap.
0: Wait, how did you sleep in until 11? I just want to know.
1: So this is crazy. So I am a night owl. Like I go to bed really late. I went to bed at 4.30 last night. Okay. I just work better at night. I've tried... A lot to become an early riser. I am not an early riser. Sadly, neither is my husband. We are just both very night people. And part of what I do is a big creative sector, right? Marketing, PR, like it requires creative juices. (laughs) So I don't fight it. We are very lucky. We have a nanny that comes in at 7am. So I don't wake up with the little guy. But once he's up from his first nap, so am I. (laughs) And then I'm with him through the rest of the day.
0: (laughs) I mean, you're my hero right now. Okay, wait. So does the nanny like slink in? Does she or he have their own set of keys? Like how does this work?
1: It's all remote. So she has an access code. She uses her phone. She's able to get in. And we've set up, this has been such a godsend. I have set up our Nanit, our little monitor to our Alexa portal in the kitchen. (laughs) When she comes in, she just says, show me Elmo. That's our nickname for our son. And she can see if he's awake or not. And then she will go into his room, wake him up, give him his first feed, whatnot. And then mommy gets to sleep in. And I have to say, it's the best thing I did for my sanity. I still have bouts of guilt where I'm like, oh, I should be like waking up or I just can't. When I do that, if I do it for more than three, four days, I start to get sick. I don't know what it is. Like, it's what
0: you are. It's, it's, it's what is. works for yeah. you. Know.
1: Yeah. Like it really does. And so I really fought it for a while. I have to tell you, the first month we brought him home was probably the most miserable I'd ever been. Hated breastfeeding, super uncomfortable, super painful. <laughs> we had a lot of help. We people come in. Is he latching correctly? All that. I don't know what it is. It just was not my bailiwick. So I really like those first two months with him were not my favorite months of life. I know people love that. And they're like, oh, my little, I don't even have any nostalgia for them. <laughs> we slogged through it. And after that, I was like, all right, I've got to figure out how to make this work for us. And luckily, I'm so grateful. Now we've made it work for us. Was
0: this schedule pretty typical for you before you had a kid? Like, okay.
1: I literally, I remember the morning, I guess I went to labor. I was up till 2 a.m., bouncing on my ball working. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, wow. Wait, so tell me about the rest of your day then. So you tend to work in the afternoons. Like, do you go straight to work or what does that look like if you're also working in the evenings?
1: Yeah, so I go straight to work and work when you're a mom, it's not clean cut times, right? It's like 109 to 234. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of breaks during the day. So I'm working. We do have full-time help, which is very nice. But I still like to be right there. You know, when he wakes up from his nap, I like to pick him up. I like to be able to put him down for his naps when I can. But if I have to do this or I have a call, it's amazing to know there's always someone here that can help. And I don't have to try to juggle more than I need to be doing. And I keep working, put him to bed. He goes to bed pretty early, 6, 630. He prefers an early bedtime. I'm really, really lucky that he actually, like his parents, likes 13 hours of sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) So luckily we've gotten him mostly sleep trained. So he's sleeping through the night. And when he didn't, we had a night nurse. Like, I couldn't do that. I sound like such a wuss right now, and I totally get this. But it's better than having a nervous breakdown. I don't think you sound
0: like a wuss at all. I want to interrupt you there and just say that I think it takes three full adults for every single tiny new human that we make. Uh And that should be the minimum. And yet we're like, actually, one mom should do it all and work a full-time job and take care of other children, too, at the same time. And we're like, why does this feel crazy? Oh, it is. It's really hard.
1: And, and Sarah, I go around like a crazy person asking everybody. Like my mother-in-law, who had three children, single mom, worked, raised them. I'm like, what? How? It's this thing I cannot fathom. I've not been able to forget. Ask my mom. I'm like, you had two girls. You didn't even have running water when we were born. It just blows my mind. And that's why I feel like I tell my husband often. I'm like, I think I'm missing a gene. I don't know what it
0: is. <laughs> I don't think I <laughs> am
1: missing idea. something that I cannot. No. Handle him and do all of this. Like, I really sincerely wish I could. We're lucky to be in a place where I don't have to, but any mom who does it is my absolute superhero. Um,
0: I think they're superheroes, and also there's a lot of propaganda out there. Like, there's a lot of media manipulation about what mothers should feel and should do and who we're supposed to be, and it's supposed to be easy for us. And I think that's kind of a load of crap, if I'm allowed to say
1: that. Well, this is the crazy thing. So, Our neighbor has had six kids and has 10 grandkids and now is taking care of two of her grandkids, like full custody. And I just talked to her and I'm like, every time I see her, she laughs because she's like, you asked me this. And I was like, I know, because I don't get it. How do you raise six kids? (laughs) What do you do?
0: It's amazing. Okay, wait. I have some specific questions. I don't want to lose these threads. So, breastfeeding, did you end up quitting? Did you stop or did that work out for you? Yeah.
1: I did it for two months. Mm -hmm. And I'm not ashamed to say that any mom I knew in the vicinity fed my kid. I got breast milk from a local ER nurse who was just had way too much. And she was like, here you go. Here's my extra supply.
0: (laughs) Sounds amazing. Um,
1: There was this one time where we actually bought breast milk because I really wanted him to have that. I just, was not able, right? Like it just was not working out for me. I had mastitis twice. My doctor was like, stop, this is not healthy. I was like crying every time I was feeding him. I was like, I thought it was supposed to be sweet. (laughs) It's so
0: much work. It's so much work and it's so hard.
1: I was like, this is not sweet at all. And then my husband, I remember he went and bought breast milk from this gal that we knew. She had extra supply and great like I'm all for capitalism and breast milk this is great and he said it was so funny because he was like that's the weirdest transaction I have ever done in a parking lot <laughs> like, <laughs> like this lady's husband has the cooler you know with like
0: <laughs> and yet we all go into grocery stores and buy cow's milk like it's no problem
1: yes it was so oh, yes, that's so that's funny. funny so yes we did that for two months I was I will tell you, It helps so much to have women around you and family that is supportive. I don't know what I would have done if I'd had even an inkling of anyone in my life who had doubted me or felt like you should keep trying. Luckily, my doctor was like, nope, this is good. It's not happening. It's okay. My husband was great. He said, lots of babies have formula. They'll be fine. You know, because in your head, you have these visions. Like I'm going to breastfeed my kid till he's a year and a half, and then we gonna... <laughs> And then you find out you have to do it every two hours, and I was like, "But how?"
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so much work. So it's much, so respect. much work. My kid is one and a half now, and we stopped breastfeeding around one with this one, but my boobs are still making milk. Cause it takes like two years for them to fully stop. Yes. And it's so interesting to watch. Like now that I'm through the hard part, I have this urge to go breastfeed other people's babies. I'm like, let me just do it once. And it's so bizarre to feel oh that way. Goodness. Cause it was so hard. So if I were there, I'd be like, I'd feed your baby. Maybe that's weird to
1: say out loud. That but. Is so. that is so sweet. <laughs> and you know what? That's actually not uncommon outside the States, which I find is funny. Like when we were growing up, I was born in India. My mom says that my aunt fed me, like everyone kind of just fed babies communally, like whichever boob was available. <laughs> That's right. Don't <laughs> um, wake up the sleeping
0: woman if there's a woman who's awake and ready to feed. Like this yes. would be how we get more sleep and even yes. more immunity. <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. So I like to think my son has had great immunity because he's been fed. I mean, literally have had friends who would just send frozen breast milk. It's amazing. And I was so grateful. As a mom, it's so weird. I never understood my mom's fascination with her kids. Have you eaten? Like, I was like, why is this always such a thing? But I can (laughs) tell you now... The satisfaction that you feel as a mom when your child has eaten, it's genetic. It's in your blood. I don't know how to explain it. It's not logical. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Because my husband does not feel that same sense of satisfaction that That's I do. Really
0: funny. Uh, so okay, more- I want to set the stage too. Tell me a little bit about the type of work that you do and the company that you run. And if you don't mind going back in time, What did you study in school? What did you think you were going to do when you grew up? And then is what you're doing now anything like that?
1: Great question. So I run Zen Media, uh, marketing, digital PR. We work with primarily technology-driven brands. Rewinding back... We were one of the first social media agencies in the world. I did my thesis on Twitter when it had 2000 users in school. So when I was in graduate school, I knew like social media is the future. I'm so excited. And it took the world a little bit of time to catch up, (laughs) which is okay. In grad school, I had a really good sense of kind of where I wanted to go. But I honestly thought I'd go corporate. I wanted to work for McKinsey or Bain or that sort of thing and realized that they didn't know what to do with digital media. They didn't know what to do with social media. It was so new, there weren't any jobs in the field. So that's how we started my company. It's how I began my journey. Yeah, I'm curious
0: about your company, but also did you study this as a field and a discipline? It's something that's been growing and building. So when Bain and other consulting companies didn't even have these kinds of programs, what did you do? How did you end up starting your own company?
1: Started my own company. I mean, literally, that's what I did. I put out my shingle because here's what I found fascinating. I graduated during the recession, right? 08, 09 recession. And what I find when things like that happen is big companies often get scared and they don't want to try new things, but small businesses on the flip side are like, Hey, if it works and gets me customers, I'm game. Like, let's do this. Right. And so my first clients were small businesses that were like, let's try it. And so it really allowed me to, to hone my skills, to be able to show them what was possible but that's literally how it happened. I wanted a job in the field. The jobs didn't exist because the field didn't exist the industry was so new. And before that, you know, my passions have always been technology and communication in all its forms and varieties. Like that's what I'm a big proponent for. I love technology and I love being able to communicate about it, take complex things, simplify them, marketing, sales, like anything that involves getting an idea across to people and doing it through sort of new mediums. Love, love, love that. And that's how I got really into it. That's how I got super into social media field. I had great graduate advisor. She was very encouraging. Helped me even get a grant to go to Vegas to attend one of the first new media marketing expos ever. Like blogging was new. (laughs) So, So that's how I got my start. What I do now is perfect. Like it's definitely... A perfect mix of everything that I love.
0: And so tell me about the branches of your business. What are the ways that you work with clients? And do you spend more time doing public speaking or consulting? What are the different facets of what you do?
1: Yeah. So I have two brands that I manage proactively, by the way, I have my personal brand and I say personal, but that's my speaker, author, media correspondent. I do a lot of stuff on television I Write books, I do keynote speaking. As you can tell, this is my passion. So, that is a brand in itself. And then I have Zen Media, where we work with technology brands predominantly or some sort of technology basis, right? That brand has to serve the digital economy in some way or be rooted in it. We do marketing and PR for them. So, that's everything from media relations to helping them win awards, getting their name out there. It's pretty comprehensive, but it all starts with, I call it the three R's, reach, relevance, and revenue. And those are sort of the three drivers that we look at for our clients.
0: Mm, That's really cool. So how big is your team? What kind of a company are you running? Is it a small, tiny team? Is it a bigger branch of- We're about uh, 30
1: people. So I don't know where you would put that. It's funny because I think that's small. And I was talking to a client in Tel Aviv and they were like, oh, that's not small at all. Like you guys are big. And I was laughing because I was like, well, I guess it doesn't feel that big, but okay.
0: (laughs) How long have you been running this company and how long did it take you to get to 30 people?
1: 12 years. And I have to say we went back and forth and we've stayed around 30 for a few years because part of it is it's so funny as a mom, it changed things too. Like for example, when I was pregnant i thought i'm gonna take maternity leave right like i was ready my team was ready i talked to my husband my husband's just this amazing amazing guy really lucked out in that department who's super supportive he always is like you're the best mom you're the best like (laughs) he's just such a great force of nature so i was ready i was like i'm gonna take time off i want to enjoy this and i don't know maybe you can believe it or not sarah but literally i had my c-section And then the next day I asked my mom, she's coming to the hospital. I was like, bring me my laptop. (laughs) I was like, I have to get a deck done for this client that needs to get their series A. Bring me my laptop. And (laughs) And I surprised myself because I thought that I might enter mommyhood and feel like I want to do the mommyhood more. And what I found is, and I found that I was a shitty mom when I didn't have an outlet for my energies. You know, like as you can tell, I have a lot of energy, I have a lot of ideas. I could not contain it in being a mom. I felt like something was missing. So now I feel like this is much more me where I'm a full-time mom and I'm a full-time CEO. So I really took no maternity leave, not because I couldn't, but because I generally didn't know what to do with myself. And maybe that's not healthy. Maybe there's people listening being like Girl, you need a (laughs) you know, I love my clients. I love what we do. And I'm just a happier person when I have that available to me.
0: One of the things we talk about, I think that's so interesting to hear your perspective, because one of the things we talk about here a lot is each person will have a different experience and each person may have multiple different experiences with different babies. Like you may think you want something and then something else happens and it's so hard to plan for. So just knowing going into it that you can kind of sketch an outline, but we won't know how we feel on maternity leave until we actually get there, right? is really normal. Like It's a totally normal thing for people to expect that they'll want to work and then realize I'm exhausted and I actually need way more time and space or to think they're going to want to take maternity leave and instead be like, "Um, excuse me, give me that laptop. I've got things I've got to do. So I really appreciate hearing that.
1: Yeah. It's so funny because I think mommyhood often is portrayed by the media. And that's what I really was excited about coming on your podcast, Sarah. It's so one dimensional. And I didn't hear anybody, like I, all my research that I did, I didn't hear a single woman say, you know what? Totally fine to help, help. Totally fine to keep doing your business. The idea is we need more maternity time. We need more. And by the way, I'm not arguing against this at all. I offer my employees eight weeks maternity paternity. I'm so committed to supporting that. I just didn't hear what kind of my version was ever validated. You know what I mean? This is the other thing. I know it comes from extreme privilege. This is the weird thing too, which I don't know if you can relate to this or not, Sarah, but my mom guilt is real. But even when I was pregnant, I felt so guilty What I could take it easy, like my husband would be like, just relax. It's okay. Like your team's got this. And I'm not a control freak, by the way, like the team does a great job. I have no problem. I'm not a micromanager. But I just felt like if I just sat there and watched TV and ate popcorn, right, because I wasn't feeling Mm. well. I was on these forums and I would tell my husband, I was like, look at all these women. They've been on their feet for 14 hours and I'm working an eight hour day and I'm tired, but that's okay. But I just felt so much guilt for it. I was like, oh, why can't I? I think I still deal with this. I'm like, why can't I be stronger, better, be able to do more? Why do I need so much help? Like, what? <laughs> Of course, if I didn't have help, I'd be you know losing my mind. But I think there's always that sense of, man, sh- is there some reality in where I'm just not living up to my, like this reality. I'm just not living up to my potential. And it's funny because I broke down with my grad advisor. And it's so funny. We're good friends now. Her name is Donna. I love her. And she has a daughter. And I was like, Donna, I don't understand. And she said, you know what those people don't tell you? They're miserable. She's like, I know because me and my husband, we went through this. We had a very hard time. It's why we have one kid (laughs) because those years were not great. Like we had no help. We were both trying to get it all done. And every time we see strollers, we have many little panic attacks. Was, yes. And I'd never heard that. I'd never heard someone say, listen, it's great if it's easy. Appreciate it. Love it. And don't feel like you should be doing better. There's still a part of me that tells my husband, I think I'm missing a gene. <laughs> I don't
0: think you're missing a gene. I'm so grateful that you're saying explicitly what's honest and true for you, what you said at the end just hits the nail on the head. Like there's so much portrayal of like, this is gonna be perfect, this is gonna be blissful, this isn't gonna be that hard. And there's so much of motherhood that looks like, oh, I'm pushing a stroller, this is easy. Until you're the person pushing the stroller and you're like, I am pushing 45 goddamn pounds and it is hard. Like this is actually a lot harder than you think it is. It looks easy, but internally it might feel actually challenging, miserable, tough, exhausting, unfulfilling, not satisfying, not intellectually useful. Like there's not much about pushing a stroller that really challenges my brain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, it's not like oh I solved a world problem here no usually it's like get out of the crack keep moving I'm really grateful you said that because I think that like these honest pictures of how people actually feel about motherhood and parenting is itself a revolutionary act to just say no I didn't love it that much society told me I would love this part and I didn't and that's who I am I actually like my work I like my children, I like my work, don't love parenting. Like Whatever it is for
1: you. You Not even parenting, Sarah, it's so funny because when I had my son, I had a very, I guess maybe traumatic, but it was tough. I was in labor for 24 hours and then we had an emergency C-section. So Mm. I was so out of it. I don't remember, my husband actually fed him. The nurse helped him to latch and stuff. I don't remember this. He recorded it for me, bless his heart, but I don't have any recollection. And when we brought him home, It just felt like this was this little stranger. I had a very hard time connecting and I thought something's wrong with me. And I have to say, I'm so grateful for my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law has two kids under the age of five. She's a superwoman, like does not have help. I don't know how she does it. She's like my superhero. And both of them were so amazing. And they said, listen, completely okay. This is normal. You're okay. This is okay. Take it day by day. They were so great because I told my husband, I was like, something is wrong with me. Why don't I just love our baby? I don't feel these magical vibes everyone's talking about. And I have to say, it took for him like about six months. I think it took six months for me to be like, I love my son. I would throw myself in front of a train for him and not from a place of, you know, of course, I would have done anything to defend my newborn. This is interesting too, because I knew and I talked to my doctor, I didn't have postpartum depression. So it's not like I struggled with negative thoughts. I wasn't diagnosed with it. I didn't feel down, but it was like a neutral zone. I didn't have any negative feelings, but I didn't feel that gush of love and emotions and feeling like... Every time I looked at him, it was the sun, moon, and the stars. Yes. I felt that way when I look at my husband, but I didn't feel that way when I looked at my son. It bothered me because I was like, I'm supposed to love this guy more than anyone else in the world, right? So why don't I? And really the antidote was just time because I'd gone through so much. We had a very tumultuous breastfeeding journey and it just took time. It just took time with me finding my own, what works for me, what works for our family And now I can honestly say I feel what people say when they say I love my kids, I love my son to the point where it breaks my heart love him. You know, that kind of love. But it did not happen in the hospital for me. It didn't happen when we brought him home. I remember looking at my dog and being like, I love my dog more than my kid. I remember sending this text to a friend And I was like, if people hear me say this, they will crucify me. I told my friend, I was like, something is wrong with me, Ren. And she said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. She said, there's many moments where I have loved my dogs over my kids. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, but we can't say it publicly. And I was like, okay, so I'm saying this publicly right now, Sarah, on your podcast, because if there's any mom or mom to be out there who finds herself in that gray zone, where it's not depression, but you're not just pet over heels, that's okay. I never heard anybody say this. I'd only heard about like, if you don't feel that way, talk to your doctor, maybe you have some depression. That wasn't true for me. I just didn't feel it instantly. Um, Yes.
0: Oh, I (laughs) want to just like applaud this because there's the myth of like instantaneous love. And maybe it's not a myth because I think it's possible. There is love at first sight for many instances and occurrences, but there's also love that grows. There's love that takes its time. And that's just a different kind and a wonderful thing. And I don't know, they look like pterodactyl aliens, screaming, scrawny, pooping creatures when they come out. And it's like, you have to get to know them. And maybe it takes a minute. I've heard other people say this too. And I think that what you're saying is so useful for people listening who are like, maybe three months postpartum or six months postpartum being like, this is it. I don't know if I love you enough yet. It's okay. You don't have to be crucified, as Shama says. So, Shama, how has becoming a parent, because your little one is just about a year, right? Yes,
1: yeah. he'll be a year next month, my little oh, yeah. guy.
0: How has this journey into parenthood changed how you run your business, how you show up in your business? How has your day to day shifted, and how has your ability to work shifted?
1: Oh, man, I am one lean, mean mama working machine. <laughs> <laughs> Being a mom, I realized that I wasted a lot of time before because there's no <laughs> I have a lot of moms on my team and I love hiring moms because I feel like if you want to get it done, give it to a mom. And I get that now because I'm so productive because it's like when you leave for a flight or you've got to travel, like those are the days where you're like, okay, these are my containers, right? So I don't have time to look at what someone else is doing. I don't have time to scroll through Twitter for 20 minutes. I don't scroll through my Instagram feeds. When I'm working, I am working and I'm super productive. So I think for me, it's, boy, if you told me you could be more productive before I had my son, I would have been like, I'm pretty productive. I don't know what you're talking about. Now I'm like, oh my God, you slacker. (laughs) <laughs> this is what productivity looks like. Where you are <laughs> jamming so much in between nap times and play times and all that good stuff.
0: So productivity has changed. It sounds like social media has changed too a little bit. How does that work with the business that you run and the book that you wrote about social media?
1: Yeah, you know, it's just being much more strategic. So I'm actually doing more on social media now but I'm more strategic in that I don't spend a lot of time. You go down these little rabbit holes, right, of things. You're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, let me follow this. And you have a lot of room to kind of squirrel and do that stuff before kids, at least for me. Now I'm like, no, no, no. What's my task? What am I trying to do? And social, of course, is evolving. It's funny because people actually see that I'm more active on social media now. And I think just because I'm better utilizing my time right? It's forced me to say editorial calendar, not just for our clients, but for ourselves. And so I'm constantly walking the talk. I'm very active on social media, across platforms, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, Part of this is because it is my business. I do need to have a pulse of things. And, and part of it is just, I don't waste a lot of time going down rabbit holes. I'm very strategic. This is what I've been telling our clients. Be very strategic in what you're trying to do and how you're trying to go about it. Because the time when people say, oh, social media can be such a time suck, it can be. But I think this is where your discipline and your strategy really come into play.
0: Ooh, can you say more about this? Like, how do you use social media? What does being strategic look like for you?
1: 85, 90% content creation, 10% response and, and engagement and sort of reacting to what's happening on social media, right? So majority of my time, I spend creating content. I create content on marketing on PR for how technology brands should stand out in this digital age, how brands win in the digital age. Like that is what I'm all about. So I create a lot of content. I do tons of videos. I've really upped my YouTube game in the last couple of months after many stops and starts cause I'd start it, then I'd get squirreled by something else. And now I'm like, no, 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 this is the game plan. I have someone on my team. We're going YouTube all the way, we're creating content. And then what I'm also getting really good at is Once I have a piece of content, how do I leverage that across the board? So like this podcast that we're doing, Sarah, after we're done, if you share the audio or whatnot to promote it on my channels, I will give my team and say, okay, pick like a minute, make that Insta post and they'll share it on Instagram, or it might be something that someone might find useful. And then a link to listen to the full podcast. So whatever content we're creating, I'm also making sure that we're getting all the juice out of that orange.
0: Yes, and the rinds, right? And getting the zest from the rinds.
1: <laughs> I like that. I hadn't thought of that, but I like it. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to start yeah. adding that. Yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm just imagining my small child eating the whites of an orange in a corner and being like, "Mom told me to get oh, all of the orange."
1: Okay, you watch the-, the Great, by the way, on Hulu. It's totally random, but which you- show? The Great.
0: No, but I've heard that's like next on my list.
1: It's really funny. It's very inappropriate for children. So don't. Okay, okay, great. It's definitely a rated R show. But the funny thing is every time they have something to celebrate, even killing someone, they go, huzzah. So it's like <laughs> <you're singing> her, <laughs> and then they huzzah. break the glass. Like they literally throw a glass down. They're like, huzzah. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: That's really great. Okay, wait. So do you batch organize the time? Are you organic about this and post whenever you have time? Or do you do lots of content creation on a specific day of the week? And then same with replying. Do you only reply to comments at a certain time of day? Like, is that strategic as well?
1: I'm getting to be better at that. So I do batch things. Mostly I batch videos. And then I said, I'm my team and I have the process in place, which really helps because they know now what to do when I give them a piece of content, right? Mm -hmm. They know how to pop it up. They know how to turn it into tweets. They know. And so they know how to take what I'm giving them and essentially spread share across social.
0: Okay. So how many people on your team are working on it? And how many hours would you estimate per piece of content that they spend on sharing and redistributing?
1: Oh boy. So, I mean, on my team, obviously I have multiple people, right? Because we've got the design piece that does the design. We've got people who are video editors. And so at any given time, there might be five or 10 people honestly doing different elements of something, right? Mm. I'm still leading it. So I would stay still about... 70% 70% of the stuff that's being posted, I'm still posting it because it's just fast. It doesn't take terribly long to be able to do it. And then 30% is that finessing or they're chopping it up and redistributing. So, time wise, I would say maybe just about 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Right? 10 hours a week. But remember, to me, it's all about the ROI. So, for some people, I'd be like, oh my God, 10 hours a week is a lot, but I'm writing long form content. I'm working on my third book. There's a lot of content creation that goes in. The distribution part is not that difficult because you're literally just sharing, right? The creating of this podcast and editing will take a while, but then uploading it, there's tools and stuff. So hopefully, you know, you have a template and things down where that part is not so tedious.
0: I'm so fascinated. It's the redistributing that we're working on our team now about how to get it more streamlined because we'll make little snippets using like Headliner or other apps. And I'm always surprised because it does take four to eight hours to create all the tinier pieces of content from the first piece of content.
1: Yeah, it definitely it can. I think, again, it helps to templatize, right? So for example, on Instagram, I've created a folder of pictures of myself And sounds kind of weird.
0: No, I I love it.
1: I have a folder of all my photos and content. And there is a certain template for quote, Shama image. So then they just are able to take that image, add quote, voila. The more you templatize those things, the easier it gets and the faster it gets.
0: That's right. And then the team member knows what to expect and they know how to do it. You know, the interesting thing, the other week I just did another photo shoot And in the middle of coronavirus, it was so interesting because the photographer was like far away. I was like, I need to do a photo shoot every three to six months just so I constantly have new images. And it's such a bizarre new world we live in, in a way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it is. But you know, it is a very visual world. And the funny thing is people are like, oh, do you love social media? Do you hate social media? I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I'm completely ambivalent about it all. I love... Being able to get my message out there. They're like, do you? It's people get so personal about it. They're like, oh, I hate Twitter. I love Twitter. I'm like, it's, it's a just platform. a thing. It's, it's just like, a, it's thing. a thing. If it helps me reach my audience and it helps me accomplish what I need to accomplish, great. I'm all for it. But I guess I'm just not very emotional about these platforms or people get very upset when marketing changes. I just accept it and go with it. I'm like, go with the flow. Do what you need to do. I will also share a really cool tool that has helped me a lot, Sarah. I don't know if you mm. use this yet, but do you use Loom by chance? L O. yes. Okay. Tell me how you use it. So I love Loom So if people don't know, it's essentially lets you record videos, right? Screen shares and things like that. There's other software, but I feel like they've done a great job with their UX, making it super friendly. And my whole team uses it. So now I create looms to show my team how to do something that they can replicate. So I'll say, guys, look, here's a piece of content. Here's how I'm going to change it up for Twitter, for Facebook, for LinkedIn. Now, please follow this. And then we'll put that, we have this whole process database. So we'll put it in the process. So anybody who comes to the team and says, okay, I've got a piece of Shama's content they can look at that workflow and say, ah, okay. So I've done it to create more process really more than anything else. Mm.
0: Okay, I'm gonna wrap up this interview because I know we both have little kids that are threatening to wake up at any point with a couple of rapid fire questions. So I wanna ask you to just tell me right off the bat what comes to mind. The next place you are dreaming about going on vacation. Paris. (laughs) The best piece of marketing advice that you've received.
1: Stay consistent. It's not sexy, but it works.
0: What do you wish someone would have told you earlier on about motherhood or parenting?
1: That it's okay for it not to be an instant love.
0: What are you looking forward to next?
1: COVID being over (laughs) a vaccine for this thing. We're very lucky. We're in Miami. We've got our home. I know there's so many people who aren't. So I want to see the world resume normalcy. I don't think it'll go back to the way it was, but I would like to see the world find its balance again and find the humanity again. I know there's so many people who've been separated and haven't been able to see their loved ones and that's hard. So that's what I'm really looking forward to.
0: Where can people find you on the internet and what is the best way for them to connect with or follow you?
1: So the interwebs, I'm abound. (laughs) You can definitely find me at zenmedia.com and across social sites, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Pick Your Poison. And if you say huzzah, I will know that you came from this podcast and (laughs) I look forward to then connecting with you. (laughs)
0: Oh, and if you had a favorite social media tool, even though you're neutral about them, which one would be your favorite child?
1: Ah, boy, my favorite child. I'm really partial to LinkedIn right now, just because I think are doing some really cool stuff and it's interesting.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We're going to have to have you back if we can figure out how to get our nap schedules coordinated again. <laughs> I loved talking to you. Thanks for sharing your motherhood story and your
1: business insight. Thank you for this platform, Sarah. It's amazing. I'm so glad you're doing this. Thank you.
0: Hey everyone, just a heads up and a reminder. If you want to listen to our long form Ask Me Anything sessions, they are 30, 45, and sometimes 60 minutes in length, and they we go deep into questions that people have. If you want me to look at your business, you want me to comment on your marketing plan, or you have a question about parenting, pregnancy, or anything in between, we are taking listener questions and I answer them in a monthly Ask Me Anything fireside chat. It's available only to our Patreon supporters. So if you back us at the $7 a month level, you get access to this private podcast. You can get access to all of the past episodes, which is pretty cool. So if you're missing the podcast while we're on our hiatus and you want to take a listen in to these Ask Me Anything episodes, go over to Patreon and become a monthly backer at the $7 per month level and you'll get access to all of the future episodes, as well as all of the past episodes. Keep in mind that you are also supporting the work of Startup Pregnant and our growth in these early days, and that matters a ton. Every dollar helps and counts, and we appreciate so much and are grateful for your support. Patreon.com slash Startup Pregnant will take you right there. That's P A T R E O N did I spell that right? Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yes, patreon.com slash startup pregnant will take you there. The link will be right here in the show notes. You can go straight there. $7 a month and you get access to this entirely exclusive Patreon only podcast. Thanks so much everyone for listening. And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs, and I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.